Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. The coterie awoke hungry but began to reunite. Val and Doris were joined by Evangeline and discovered that some concerned mortals had launched the Newshaven podcast, taking matters into their own hands. Meanwhile, Everett was led to a room full of survivors of the Town Hall Massacre, where he must now determine who is responsible. What will become of Newhaven if he cannot solve this case? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. As all good coteries do, our coterie does eventually reunite after all of the various uh, occurrences, all of the various uh, challenges, the various mysteries that have begun to unfold, uh, both in New Haven and without. But before then, several rather important things happened to them. For the coterie still at the police station, a fateful news conference where for the first time, sheriffless several deputies had to take the spotlight and represent the, the future leadership of New Haven. And meanwhile, buried in the mountains at Torpor Springs, Everett Fry had to make the most important judgment of his unlife. Everett, you are in a, uh, a sort of like a, a secret garden of of spa glory uh, with uh, the the entire town council of New Haven, at least those who who remain alive, um, having been black bagged and brought to the site uh, through some some you know hijinks in the woods. Uh, you now find yourself uh, before um, uh, again the the members of council, uh, two people in black bags. Uh, and uh, Victor Tostarosa the fifth, Lord Tostarosa, as he he prefers to be known, uh, the uh, the owner of Torpor Springs, and seemingly an, uh, a silent partner in New Haven. Uh, if you later, when you recount this story uh, to to your companions, um, they ask a number of pointed questions, and so even though right now they're dealing with a, a press conference, um, I also want to make sure that uh, Laura, Dell, and Claire, if you do have questions that you would want answered or like observations throughout Everett's trial here, we're going to play with time a little bit, hmm. and rather than having poor Tyler have to act the scene out for you later and then asking the questions. Instead, we're going to go full Princess Bride. And if throughout this scene, there are questions that you would ask Everett later about what happened, um, feel free to just kind of like uh, visually throw up a hand for me or something um, so I can cut to you. It'll be in the future when Everett explains what happened, you would ask this question. But for the purposes oh, okay. of the narrative, it'll just happen in the moment. Um, because I just think that'll... A, help you all kind of be present in the scene that you're not present in, and B, just save us like, <laughs> you know, hey, you know that scene you just watched? We're going to recap it again mm -hmm. in real time. Right, right, right. Um, but I do uh, want to be clear that um, uh, during the span of time that Everett is, uh, we're, we're going to kind of play out this, this immediate judgment sequence. We're going to deal with your press conference, um, and he will not relay whatever is left of him after all of this, will relay this information to you post-press conference a few days from now when he returns to New Haven. Whether it's as so, sheriff or behind bars, who's to say? Or a spooky, spooky <laughs> a ghost. A head in a jar. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, if, if you have to plug him into a Wild Wild West machine where you shoot, like, light through his eyes and then you have to turn it upside down because that's how the eyes work and then you just see a man holding a weird buzzsaw in a cornfield whatever it ends up being all these likely scenarios but it's okay because everett's gonna live because if everett dies then i fucking revolt 
cool. Yeah, that's definitely saved <laughs> characters on all of our yeah. shows before. Yeah. Oh man, I, was I, say, yeah. um, I would never okay. touch a fan favorite. Uh, I just have to. Be oh no. Consistent. I have to be <laughs> consistent among all the in shows. this economy. Um, Alrighty. So, um, so again, friends, just do uh, if you would if you would have a question for Everett later, um, feel free to chime in, and we'll we'll give you that information. Um, Also, I want to point out you can use your stats for this. So, if there is, for example, like an investigation or something that you have, uh, like I'm specifically thinking, for example, like Doris, with your understanding of of the arcane arts and everything, like odds are you have some skills that Everett definitely wouldn't. Um, So. Uh, or like your just understanding of, of um, uh, Tremere magic in general, like uh-huh. sets you aside from Everett's skill set. So rather than just like the guy who only investigate things, just didn't see anything that would be of interest to you. If you do want to make a role of some sort, we'll basically play that off as like Everett being a sponge for information. What did he see? But using kind of interesting, what okay. can you glean from his his story? If that makes any sense, yes, um, yeah. So just keep that in mind. And honestly, you may not have any interjections at all, in which case this entire explanation is completely uh, null and void. Um, but uh, that's that's the way we're going to start out with it. So, Cool. Um, Everett, you're in your robe. Uh, you're in your fancy Bioshock wheelchair. And um, two black bags have just been dragged out. Um, there are varying reactions uh, from the town council to these two body bags being being brought in by, by red cell troops. Um you can see that um, uh, Viron Henron, uh, the the Toreador, uh pet store Hiddleston, uh, is uh, he is he's grinning ear to ear, um, and that kind of tracks with what you've you've seen of him so far. Someone who's very imperious, who's been stuffed into a less than glamorous job, finally getting to like have a little courtly adventure is really like really doing it for him. Um, you can tell that. Um, uh, Kevin Lafleur and his daughter Lorcan. Lorcan's still pretty out of it, as we established uh, previously. Um, but uh, Kevin looks very uncomfortable with this. You can tell he was uh, he was enjoying being at the spa, but in kind of a like um, this is a weird pull, but in kind of a uh, the lawyer from Jurassic Park kind of way. Like he's there, mm-hmm. he's in the robe, but he's not. There's still a professional bearing. He's aware that this is technically council business, and his duty is to represent the gangrel of of New Haven, even if they're in these these like fancy uh, fancy environments. Ten um, Ten Quarantino is just having such a great time that this is just like, oh, our dinner party's been interrupted by you know a cruise ship production of The Lion King. What a treat! Like she's just happy that there's there's amusements to be had. Uh, she doesn't really care about the stakes necessarily. She's just kind of thrilled about it. Um, so again, varying, varying reactions. Um, and, uh, um, uh, Tostarosa is just like clearly living his best life with this. And it's unfortunate because as we've established, he's like wearing the ill-fitted, uh, version of Viron Henron's, uh, outfit. And it's, it's, it's no bueno. It's no bueno on this particular gentleman, but he's, he's just all, all in with like caved in chest, like, you know, kind of scraggly, tuft of white hair kind of uh, situation. Um, so he 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 does one of those things where he kind of flutters his hands to make everyone shut up, um, and uh, he uh, he just says, "Ah, so uh, Detective Fry, I you must be wondering uh, what exactly the fuck is going on here. Would that be a fair uh, estimate of of your current situation?" Yeah, I I would say that's fair. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, of of, of course. Uh, I did instruct Sarah not to give you too much information because really, there's a, there's an order to these things. Am I right? And he like looks to uh, Viron for kind of like a we're buds, right? And in again, like full David Rose from Shit's Creek, like full face eye roll away, like does not care about this guy. Like it's it's a little joking, but it, it's one of those kind of like. Mean kid things where like clearly Tostarosa still thinks they're buds, but like there's there's some legit cruelty to this. Like, no, I I could throw you this bone and I won't. Um, kind of reaction. Um, but uh Tostarosa says, uh 
Well, Detective Fry, you arrived in our, our town somewhat unexpectedly, and uh, though it, it seems that you've been doing a job, uh, there have been some rumblings and grumblings. And honestly, the, the things that uh, my my dear friends in the Toreador, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lord Henron and others, exactly what we were worried about with your, your beloved Cleopatra. I mean, you take a ruler out of time, they think they can run things in the modern world. That just simply isn't true, is it? And with something as dangerous as a new haven, well, we had to be ready in case things went bad. And lo and behold, and he just like gestures around wildly. Um, he says, uh, I don't see Kane Raziel anywhere. So clearly things did go wrong. Uh, which brings us to uh, the business at hand. Uh, so, Detective Fry, uh, from the sounds of things, you've been comporting yourself rather well, and honestly, most of us here are quite impressed with what you've managed to do, particularly given the sudden death of the previous sheriff and the general disarray that you found the town in. So we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty impressed despite all the murders. And uh, although Cleopatra is no longer with us, uh, oops, wherever she is, um... It's nice that our protocols were still able to bring us all together here and, and to, to rebalance things in New Haven a little bit better. Uh, you'll notice upon your return that there are some uh, new townsfolk uh, making their way, people who uh, the, the now dead uh, Egyptian princess was less than thrilled about including in our little experiment. Um, but now there's, there's home for, for all in New Haven, which is just a treat. But they will need a sheriff, which brings us to you and the matter at hand. Um, friends at the police station, are there any things you would want to know or interject with to this point in Everett's story? It's okay if not. Just want to give you room. Otherwise, I'll keep monologuing. Not yet. Dope. Sounds like you're uh, about to get to, like, the best part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost like this is where I'd normally put an episode break. Um, so he, um, he says, uh, Detective Fry, before we here on the town council can can properly uh well, I mean you, I'm not on the council, of course, just uh a foot behind the throne, shall we say. Uh before you can be officially sworn in, as you were meant to be before this horrible, horrible tragedy occurred, uh, we require your judgment. So one of your more useless deputies informed me that the two missing council members were in fact in the attack. So needless to say, as you can see, and he pats uh, the second body bags that are kind of behind the first, that are being dragged rather than wheeled out in like a much more like this is a bag of garbage kind of way. Um, and he says, so when I sent out my troops to find these fellows, we instead found just a couple of regular kindred who were convinced that they had never been there. They didn't know who they were, where they were. Uh, but after some, shall we say, advanced interrogation techniques, we determined they both believed themselves to be Horatio Sundrop and Eric Francis. Although you can see from this, and he opens one of the bags and just like, guts fall out. He's like, from this rather Danny DeVito-looking fellow, they did a terrible job of of imitating uh, dear sweet uh, Horatio. In any case, it would seem that there was some tomfoolery afoot, some cover, as these two kindred posed as the two missing council members. Now, here is where things get sexy. When I sent my troops to find them, they did in fact find the originals. And he pats the two uh, body bags that he hasn't opened yet. And he says, so they're here now, and they both seem rather confused. So, deputy, it's going to be up to... Sheriff, I should say. I'm sorry, I'm bad with police rank. Sheriff, it will be up to you to determine which of these two kindred uh, did the deed. Because if one was to go so far as to send imposters to make it seem like one was innocent, well, that seems like some top-level bullshittery to me. So, detective, let's get to it. Now, again, we must find the culprit here. Or unfortunately, that clause that no one really wanted in the ASP protocol kicks in. And again, I like you all. I like all of you. You're all my guests. The last thing I want to do is liquidate a lot of you. So, detective, shall we do the law and order chung chung? Um, I'm, I'm not going to do that, no. <laughs> uh, and 1010 Quarantino just like slides into frame. <laughs> uh, and she says, in the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the police who investigate the crimes and the prosecutors who, and like, he just kind of says, yes, yes, we get the bit. We get the bit. Um, unzip them. 
and uh, the Red Cell troops uh, unzip the two body bags. Um, they pull out uh, two very different uh, kindred. Uh, so uh, Eric Francis um, looks um, just like uh, he's basically got like a, a, a bit of a um, like an Owen Wilson thing going on. Just kind of like long, kind of curly blonde hair, um, kind of like just gentle features. Um, and uh, he's wearing um, uh, like a, a, a bloodied um, like button up shirt, short sleeve button up shirt, um, jeans, like just looks looks pretty casual. He's got like a puka shell necklace um, and he, uh, he, he just kind of uh, uh, blinks uh, a bit and goes, oh, wow. Where, wow, this place is really nice. This is a nice place to wake up, but uh, what, what's going on? I, I, I couldn't really hear through the bag you put me in. Also, you, why'd you put me in a bag? Um, and they unzip the, uh, the other one and um, uh, just kind of like a, um, uh, think like a, a Zachary Quinto type. Um, kind of um, rolls out uh, wearing like a high collared long black coat um, uh, black driving gloves um, and uh, like just a, a sort of buzzed down head but just those like big Zach Quinto eyes um, that are immediately kind of uh, glowering and um, uh, immediately like rolls out of the bag and onto the ground then kind of raises uh, himself rather grandly um, and just says, truly of all of the ways that I in my time have traveled, this bag was the worst. Wouldn't you agree? And then he pulls a sock puppet out of one pocket. What the what? And slowly turns to it and it turns to him. And the sock puppet nods. And he nods back and he says, Bergamo agrees. A terrible way to travel, indeed. And then the puppet goes, indeed. All right, Everett's already leaning towards just killing this guy just to not have to deal with him going forward. Um, you do notice, though, uh, that he is, uh, he is like, um, no, yeah, he's, that's that's what you get. That's what you get from him. He's, he's just that guy. That's what you get. Uh, that's what you get. Um so uh, Tostarosa says, well, detective, two suspects. What do you do? Hi there, I'm Tom McGee, and I love stories. And odds are, if you're listening to our shows, you do too. So if you're wondering how you can help support our storytelling and world building and these wonderful characters and their sometimes ridiculous journeys, you can head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. There you'll find a variety of different levels and different perks starting from as low as a dollar, which gets you into our Patreon-only Discord where you can talk about the latest episodes, all the twists and turns, and just generally hang out with some truly lovely people. There's a whole variety of levels with everything from advanced episodes, ad-free feeds, to of course at our $25 level getting to create your very own character who appears in some of our shows and sometimes becomes a, a long-running friend or foe of our characters. So, if you want to get involved, if you want to help us tell more of these stories, then head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. And help us create more of these fun adventures together. And what I'm... I'm just supposed to question them? I'm sorry, is anyone else here a detective? Do we have any other detectives here? Does anyone else want to be sheriff? Because I mean, honestly, like, uh, Saren, do you want it? And Saren's just like, uh, no, sir, I'm very content with, with my current position, but thank you. Um, and uh, Tostarosa just kind of raises his arms and he says, I, I mean, I could just kill them or, or all of you, I suppose. Would that be easier for you, detective? I'm sorry, am I crimping your style in some way, shape, or form here? Yeah, a little bit. Um, God, you know, I just can't shake the feeling that everyone in charge seems to want New Haven to fail, and yet I, I don't know why it hasn't yet. I, honestly, Detective, I speak for myself. I've invested a lot in this town. I know DeSantis built most of it, but uh, 
Cleopatra couldn't get the full funds anywhere else. It's an embarrassing secret, but aside from uh, her what court jester and her hairstylist, she really had very few people left on the payroll. Um, so, you know, sometimes you make deals with the devil. Ah, that's, that's me, I suppose, in this particular instance. But some of us actually, you know, some of us kindred don't just rest on our historical laurels. We actually run businesses and earn money. And, uh, my line of spas earns plenty. Honestly, you just charge people for water with a little bit of Himalayan salt in it. You can make a killing. So... She came to me. I want New Haven to survive, but I also want it to be more equitable. I don't understand why our friends the Pyramid couldn't be part of it from the start, why our dear noble Viron Henron is reduced to working in a pet shop. She said she had reasons, but I don't really like them, so I'm just make, I'm making things more equal. Now, I don't want it to fail, but it would seem that if the town council is being attacked by rabid vampires, then something is kind of fucking failing there detective. So, no, I want this to succeed, admittedly on my terms, but uh, my terms are being met. My dear friend and, and compatriot Dylan Zane has already moved in with his pyramid and more will come. A more equitable new haven for everyone. Why block it off? Seems like a dick move to me. So, why is it then that you believe there's a guilty party here. You believe someone here is connected to the children of Lilith. Well, Detective, there was no problem. New Haven got up and running. Sure, some people were discluded that I thought she'd be included. Fine, details, we knew we'd get there. Uh, Mr. Henron and I had to come up with a whole plan in, ca in case Cleopatra's Bullshit didn't work. Admittedly, I kind of thought she would be the problem, and then someone killed her, so problem solved. Um, and then all of a sudden, the sheriff dies, rather suddenly, rather violently, and then a new sheriff arrives. Fine. I get word that he may not be the sheriff you were expecting, little concerning. And then, lo and behold, rabid vampires attack town council capture a council member, kill a council member, and from what I understand, manage to enchant and uh, enrage uh, one of your deputies to a point that she killed one of the council members. Now, that didn't just happen by accident. And you know what? If you can prove the innocence of both of these kindred, power to you. But it would seem to me that only two people were missing from that meeting. And everyone else was meant to die. Also, I mean, look, I watch a lot of local news, and town council meetings are meant to be attended by all. That's very clear. So where were they and why? And Evangeline, at this point in the future, asks, "Does wait, has no one asked about Children of Lilith now yet? Like, Nope. No one asked me about Children of Lilith unless I brought it up for the most part. I think Val would also speak up saying, well, seems to me that Tostarosa must be fucking crooked. Someone's in league with the goddamn children of Lilith because no one's supposed to know that Sheriff Cross is dead. It, it does like seem, everybody there knows. It does seem strange that uh, they weren't more interested in them considering they're very clearly the people who came in and did this. I'm just saying, in the witch trials, sometimes they would just point to someone um, to just kind of be like, it was that person, just to yeah, have someone, just to have someone to blame. That's what this felt like, yeah. Mm -hmm. These folks were present, therefore guilty until proven innocent. Did they try to burn them at the stake? That's never pleasant. Well, I'll get to that. Right. Detective Fry, look, I don't mean to oversimplify this. I just need you to point at one of these two people and say they're guilty. It's very simple. It's overly simple. I still Is this a game or something? Or is there a ceremony here that I don't fully understand? This is not a proper investigation. We have no evidence. Sheriff, I don't know if I can make this any more clear. What part of my army of well-trained 
supernatural mercenaries black bagged you, her, and these two and secreted you away in helicopters in broad daylight to my evil lair in the mountains. Did you not fucking understand? I am looking for a clear solution to this because I just, I need things to get back on track. You know there's a lot of problems in Calgary. God knows there's a lot of problems in Montreal, and they seem to be spreading. I have a very important lunch date coming up with uh, the boy king of Toronto. And look, I just need this whole region to be a little calmer by then. Okay, it's embarrassing being the power behind the throne if the throne is constantly on fucking fire. So... Help me solve this. And if you can convince me that these two men are innocent and that there's something else afoot, well, who knows? Maybe we let it go. Or, I don't know, maybe we find a new sheriff. You do have deputies, after all. Probably not the one who killed a councilwoman. I don't think that necessarily flies. Um, But you do have, I believe, the court jester and the incredibly angry one that drives the car. So there are options. Or maybe we could turn the dopey deputy from the day shift. There's lots of options, I'm saying. But the one I would prefer is to make you sheriff here and now, today, and let you just get back to running New Haven. And at this point, Kevin LaFleur um, kind of pipes in, and uh, he just says, uh, 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 pardon, uh, Lord uh, Tosarosa, but uh, you will have to... Uh, forgive a bit of the uh, frustration uh, I am feeling about uh, the way you are talking about uh, New Haven, the the government we uh, we established that we all agreed to. Uh, it, I appreciate you are not here for that. You uh, are not a part of uh, New Haven. You do and just kind of like broadly gestures to the spa um, and he says and and so I'm uh, very grateful for uh, all of your uh, hospitality here. Uh, I must say. Uh, You are overstepping uh, a bit, uh, monsieur. Uh, This is not for you to decide. This is is a matter of the sheriff. Uh, It is for us. The news of of the death of Sheriff Cross was uh, quite concerning. Uh, It was quite unsettling. And no amount of uh, eat, pray, love. And he he points to a banner. Pray, of course, being written with an E. Um, uh, Like a wooden cutout that's up there and says, will uh, make us feel any any better about that or the state of of New Haven. So perhaps let us conduct our business. And uh, I would say this politely, but frankly, you've pissed me off. Maybe you can get off our fucking dick. (laughs) Um, And Tostarosa, like, his eyes kind of go wide. Um, And uh, you can see him clenching and unclenching his fists. Um, but something that uh, Everett, you noticed way back at the town council meeting is that uh, Kevin was in a lab coat. And if there's one thing you know about DeSantis and everything else, the only reason New Haven works is because of the way the blood bank is set up. And if the hospital system and the blood bank system fail, the kindred can't eat and everything goes to shit. So you get the sense that Kevin LaFleur may actually be the most indispensable, whatever like medical angle he's playing, might be the most indispensable person on town council. And despite being fairly mild-mannered and like not really wanting to, to engage too much, he might be the only person <laughs> that Tostarosa can't fuck with, other than Viron Henron, who he's clearly in league with. Right, okay. So he kind of puts his hands up and... Uh, uh, Kevin um, turns back to you and just says, uh, Detective Fry, if you would be so kind as to get to the bottom of this as best you can here, uh, I will admit concern uh, about the whereabouts of uh, Monsieur Francis and uh, Monsieur Sandrop. Uh, anything you can do to shine some light on the situation would be much appreciated. Keeping in mind, my daughter was, of course, one of the people taken by these children of Lilith. This is of great concern to me. And if one of them is involved, and for the first time, he kind of bares his teeth and then, you know, just closes his lips calmly. But like, again, this, the sign of a, a still pond with jagged rocks beneath the surface. Uh, thank you, sir. Um, so I'm to conduct this investigation here and now in full while paralyzed, purely by questioning these two. Is that 
My, I want to make sure I completely understand this fucking circus. And uh, Viron just uh, like grabbing another um, like cucumber water esque glass, but it's full of blood. Uh, just says, "Yes, that is the task at hand, Detective. If you're up to it, uh, fine." Mr. Francis, where were you the night of the town hall attack? Um, and uh, he uh, he just kind of does one of those like Owen Wilson, like you know, scratching behind his ear things, and just says, "What's uh, you know, it's the damnedest thing. I uh, I just don't remember." Uh, meanwhile, um, back at uh, the the sheriff's office, um, you know that this press conference is nigh. Uh, and you have done little to no prep. So, um, well, you and I, I want to make clear okay. you'd established that your main priority is finding the sheriff. So, I'm going to talk about this basically over like what is happening over the span of the next few days um, after uh, the the tragedy and and horror of of Everett's uh, present situation. Um, he still takes a few days to recover, during which time you prep for and then have to execute on. Uh, the press conference. Before then, you do get word from him that he's alive, which allows you to turn your efforts to the press conference. Um, so this is going to be a compressed time frame, but basically, I'd like to know like what preparations would you make knowing that this press conference is is coming up? Getting our story straight and making sure 100%. that everybody, considering we um, have nominated Evangeline to be the speaker, um, telling her everything that went on that we know about and getting her up to speed with that. And then basically just coming up with a way to pacify the people as best we can from like a, don't worry humans. We have this kind of point of view. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think it and, could also be, Oh, go ahead. No. <laughs> I think it, what, another thing would be since Val has kind of gone off the rails and is being dark mode. I think knowing that Everett is alive and okay would kind of refocus and part of the press conference would be make sh making sure they all have matching outfits. They all look professional. They look mm -hmm. like they know what they are doing because that's something Val could actually, you know, assist with. <laughs> Doris would absolutely suggest um, drugging some tea and serving the tea to the people, the humans at the press conference to make them more amenable. <laughs> like, not like... Signing but, off on that. You know, like, putting a little bit of, like, vampire... The vampire form of, like, CBD oil in the tea. That's <laughs> 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 probably uh, very smart. And you're welcome it's, to it's shut that... Uh, yes. You know, I you think two it's ladies a great can idea. shut... Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, I feel like... A, Oh, go ahead, Laura. No, I'm just saying, like, like Evangeline having like had to, you know, sub in at like the news desk before, like she knows it's like no, you hit your main points, like you make it very clear, very simple. Things have to make sense. One, like, one thing leads to another. Leave as little room for questioning as possible. Would we be taking questions? I think that's um, the part of I, this that I think hmm. I have a feeling people we, are gonna ask questions. What if what if we say that okay, so it's an ongoing investigation and mm -hmm. we've given the public all the information that they need to know for their safety? Are they safe though? Because no. I don't think that <laughs> exactly. So we're going to get that question. That's what I'd ask at least. How uh, how good are you or lying? How good are you? I'm going to take that back. <laughs> <laughs> how good are you at lying? Uh, I'm I'm excellent at it. <laughs> like oh. Okay. And it's like, this is probably like the first time in like, probably since the massacre that like, or maybe even before that, like, that Evangeline's been like, had that kind of air of like, I, I know what I'm doing. Cause it's like, she knows, she knows how to, how to soften the blow of, you know, 
things to the public weather. <laughs> of weather. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So having come up with uh, a few strategies, um, getting the story straight, obtaining matching outfits, drugging the tea, and then prepping for specific <laughs> questions. Uh, when we loop back around to you, we'll roll some dice and see how uh, how exactly that went. What I would ask you to think about in the meantime, as you, again, feel free to interject on, on Everett's uh, retelling, um, uh, Doris has, has her, I would ask this question, uh, Val and Evangeline, I'd be curious to hear what question you think will, might be asked, um, that you can, you can prep for. So everyone will have kind of one to add to the bucket of like reasonable questions that might be asked. Uh, so give that a think and we will, uh, come back to that, um, shortly. Everett, uh, Eric Francis, uh, again, giving you kind of that, ah, gosh, golly gee, uh, thing just says, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, look, I, I kind of agree with, uh, what, what, uh, the, 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 the fancy decrepit guy in the robe said, uh, about town council, you know, I think it's real important that, uh, you know, everyone shows up and does their part. Cause like, that's what civic duty is all about, man. And if we're going to make new Haven work, like we all got to be there. And honestly, I'm just real jazzed to be there. You know, Kadif get cut out of the stuff all the time. You know, people call us all sorts of bad names and stuff. And it's just, it's, it was real nice to, to be in there, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And that's what I wanted to be, you know, that's, I love it. I love it. I love figuring out town ordinance. I love that. Um, but, uh, you know, I also want to be my best self for it. So, uh, you know, I got up a bit early, you know, sun had just gone down. I drank, drank my blood for the night. Uh, I was getting myself, uh, you know, psyched up. I was doing my rituals. Um, and it's weird because, you know, I was, I was seeing my affirmations in the mirror uh, where, you know, I tell myself five things I really like about myself today. And I only remember getting to four. Um, and then, like, I woke up in my bed uh, and my clothes had some blood on them, which was strange. And then these guys just came in through a bag on my head. And I was like, wow, okay. Uh, and now I'm, I'm, I'm here talking to you. What's a children of Lilith? Uh, thank you, Mr. Francis. Um, cool. Mr. Sundrop, do you recall where you were the night of the attack? Tyler, before we get to Horatio Sundrop, uh, would you like to roll anything to see how much you believe this, uh, how much information you think you got, or you want to wait uh I was thinking of doing it as like a cumulative thing of just like sure. at the end, I'll right. see Love if it. I can roll to spot inconsistencies or ticks or anything like that. Gotcha. Okay. Love that. Loves. Um, so uh, Horatio Sundrop um, uh, says, uh, yes, of course. I remember where I was that night. Detective Fry, was it? Yes. Please uh, go on. Detective Fry, of course I remember where I was. You see, I am the recipient of a rare gift, one we Malkavian uh, often dub madness. But it is not madness, no, it is foresight. The world is full of warnings, Detective Fry, and me and my clan are some of the only that bother to pay attention to them. Most people think this, and he raises the sock, says, is a simple sock, but instead he's a lifelong trusted companion and just leans over and very tenderly kisses the side of the sock. Uh, and the sock kind of does a little like, you know, bashful Kermit thing. Um, and he says, but he is not my only friend. For you see, a lamp warned me not to go to town council oh and God. only a fool does not heed the ominous words of a lamp. And thus, I did not attend. Rest assured, my compatriot, and he raises the sock again, and says, can vouch for my whereabouts. The sock says, it's true. He was with me the whole time. And uh, where did you go instead of the town council meeting? I did what any sane kindred attempting not to get murdered in the night would do. I went... To a diner. Alone. I had cake. It did not sit well. 
but it did tell me some delightful secrets about the nature of the universe. It's interesting you say that you were alone because you would just say that your sock puppet compatriot could confirm your whereabouts the entire night. Were you two ever separated? Uh, and he, he looks to the puppet and confers and he says, there was an incident, yes, it required brief separation. For you see, the nature of the cake was chocolate. And someone who shall remain nameless perhaps spilt some on a certain friend of theirs. Words were exchanged, feelings were hurt, but all is well now. All right. I had to wring him out in the sink. That's uh, what I'm getting at. I understand. Lorcan Lafleur. Ah. I understand that uh, events of that night might be difficult for you to relive, but your testimony is important. Uh, do you recall the events of that night? In in flashes, detective, I assume uh, one of one of your uh, deputies. She was she was there with me. She would have the same recollection. There was. Uh, a, a woman with a, a veil who, who spoke to us, who, who made us uh, become feral uh, and pointed us as this as this, this, a council to, to attack. I did not know what I was doing. I, I am grateful that uh, you did not uh, kill me uh, as, as you could have, but I, I only know these men from, from council. But what do you remember that night? You did things that night, Lorcan. Do you remember doing those things to your father, to your fellow council members? And like she just like turns inward and um, like just starts to shut down. And uh, Kevin says, Detective Shirley, this is enough answer for you, no? I need to know if she remembers or not the lives of these two council members depend on it. Um, and so he just kind of leans in and kind of whispers to her and like is, is clearly, you know, trying to comfort her. Um, there is something truly strange about seeing someone with their biological child as kindred. Um, you kind of don't want to do the math on that. Um, and, uh, because either he turned her or someone else, like, it's just, it's an odd, it's not something you see very often. You see a, certainly a lot of adoptive parent relationships with, with people, who, but finally he turns back and he says, um, uh, detectives, the best I can get from her is that she remembers in, in fits and starts, she remembers attacking me, you, uh, your, your fellow deputies. Yes, she remembers that, but I do not understand what, what else you need from her for this. Uh, I think at this point I would like to roll to kind of see who's telling the truth and who's, if I can suss that out, if I can sure. suss out who's yep. being truthful and who's not. All right, so let's go with, um, uh, I'd say probably investigation and... What investigation? Uh, I know you do. Uh, I'd say probably actually wits in this case. I don't think resolve, unless you're going to start browbeating them, I don't think resolve's the way to go. But wits is definitely okay. more a, like, piecing it together. Does that sound fair to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wits and investigation is amazing. Uh, <laughs> and... I just want to confirm that after um, completely draining uh, that soldier, what is my hunger at? So I can calculate some hunger. Um, I'm actually going to say that uh, after you woke up here, um, oh, wait, but they don't know that you eat vampires. So um, what was your hunger before you drained the soldier? Um, but, but, but it was significant because I, you know, punched a helicopter. Um, <laughs> Just separate things. Yeah. Bunch to the chopper. Looks like the last one I had it at was at uh, three out of five hunger. So five, three uh, hunger. Okay, let's let's drop you down to to two. Okay. So normally, like fully days, draining okay. someone would like fully slake your thirst, but given that you'd already fed on her and she lost a lot of blood when she hit the ground, and you lost a lot of blood, I think we're yep. We're okay. in equilibrium. Yeah. <laughs> 
so satisfying. <laughs> okay. A 10 on a hunger die, but no other 10s. So mm. we're good nice. there. So we're just Ooh. looking at one. Just a normal successy. Two. Mm-hmm. Three. Four successes. Wow. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, four successes, which is great. Unfortunately, um, it still leaves you in a bit of a bind, which is uh, Eric Francis absolutely seems to be guileless and just telling you exactly what happened. However, based on his demeanor, either he's an incredible liar and a sociopath and it's just like this is his jam or like he's just legitimately telling you the truth. There doesn't seem to be any word of a lie in what he's describing. It's also kind of just too banal to be a good lie. Like I was pumping myself up in the mirror and then I woke up like not, not an a plus lie. If, if indeed it is. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just to kind of give you the, mm-hmm. the storyteller. Um, that's the name of the role yep. in this. Yeah. Yeah. Storyteller. Yeah. Um, sort of wherever it's at in terms of trying to piece this together is taking the testimonies at face value it sounds like Eric was also tranced or turned feral and woke up with blood on his clothes, not knowing where he had been or what had happened that night. And so I tried to basically corroborate those symptoms with someone that we know was turned feral and that we actually turned back, um, who we know was like not in full control of their actions and was being manipulated, AKA Lorcan Lafleur. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get a super clean testimony from her. And actually some of what she said goes against what Eric uh, testified as she kind of remembers doing the attacks and stuff like that. So that's like a mark against Eric because he's not being forthcoming about what he did. There's blood on his shirt. So he got involved physically with someone. He attacked someone, but he doesn't remember it. Um, and if um, Mr. Sundrop did indeed go to a diner, it's going to be hard to not spot a dude with a sock puppet at a diner. So it's just a matter of questioning the diner staff, mm-hmm. which we can't do right now, but he went to a public place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's all great. I think, uh, to based on your four, uh, four advantages or your four successes rather, um, based on what you know from Evangeline, like Evangeline remembers what went down. So it makes sense that, um, uh, that Lorcan is, is perhaps handling it worse than, than Evangeline did. But absolutely remembers what ha- what went down. Okay, so Thank that you. I is that. Okay. that is an interesting gap in in Eric's story for sure. Okay, um, with your four successes, um, yes, Horatio saying you went to a public place is pretty big. Um, there is a uh, something, and this isn't even like using any any vampiric weirdness. This is just straight up like having been a detective for a long time. Um, uh, there's a slickness to Horatio's story that that feels a little bit rehearsed. Um, I think, yeah, actually, I think this would track with your with your detective knowledge from just pre vampire world because you don't really know Malkavians all that well, no. but you've definitely seen your share of of people who um, are not dealing with any legitimate uh mental illness just claim mental illness to try and get a get around crime mm-hmm. and th- this sounds like that to you this sounds like someone who like actively in a in other another investigation that you would have been doing if someone come forward with a story like this and tried to plead insanity you'd be like no like a you're like really abusing that that's not meant to be used this way at all um but there's just something about the way he presented it that doesn't that that feels a little too clean to you. That said, you can also actually corroborate his story by calling a diner, which okay. you would be able to do. I think like they don't want you to call the sheriff's office, but if you had to call a diner and be like, do you see, okay. see Zach Quinto in a trench coat with a sock puppet eating right. cake? You, you can, you can do that. Okay. Would you have done that? Do you think if that was an option? It was probably Sarah yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, so you do get confirmation uh, from a diner just outside New Haven um, that uh, a man matching this description was absolutely there uh, and caused a bit of a scene uh, when he got cake on his sock puppet. It was okay. it's they're still talking about it. It's only the third weirdest thing that happened that night, but like it was still it was still pretty good. Okay. Um. Then. 
my next move would be to question these two again, kind of coming to these conclusions myself based on that role um, and carrying on. I don't know how much time we have, <laughs> but I would be, I would resume questioning. Excellent. Um, and in terms of like how much time you have to question these folks, I mean, that's, that's what this whole kangaroo court's about. <laughs> Uh, in terms of how much time we have left this episode, we have none, so we'll hear that next <laughs> week. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.